0: I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll begin at verse 16, Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, where Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your love and your grace and for this privilege of studying together your holy word. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we began looking at our spiritual rhythms. During this COVID pandemic, it's been challenging for many of us to find that way to stay in spiritual sync, to keep our relationship with God strong, to keep our worship strong, to keep God as the center of our families. So last week, we were looking at Paul, when he wrote the letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, when he said, train yourself in godliness. Or, as the message paraphrases it, exercise daily in God. So we began looking at what does it mean to keep our spiritual rhythms or to train ourselves in godliness. We looked at how we join together as the church for worship and the importance Of Sabbath, that day that God set apart to keep us in rhythm as we join together as the people of God to worship. Today, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is a vital part of our Christian life and our Christian walk. It's a vital part of who we are, and it's critical to keeping us in rhythm to keeping us in sync in our relationship. Paul loved the church at Thessalonica. He and Silas had visited that area, and they had preached and taught in the synagogues and other places, and many of the Jews and the Gentiles accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and became Christians. Timothy has been in Thessalonica. He's now giving a report back to Paul, and he's sharing with them, things have been going well. Paul had an intimate relationship with this church. As a matter of fact, in that short letter, he refers to the Christians there as brothers and sisters 14 times. He also references that he loves them like a mother and embraces them like a father. He has a great relationship, great to hear things are going well, but there was something in Timothy's report. We're not sure exactly what, but something gave the impression... There might be something lacking in the faith. So Paul writes this letter of encouragement. And in the end, he's wrapping the letter up and he's sharing his benediction, sharing those final instructions. And he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Or if you read the message, it's pray without stopping. Or if you read the New International Version, it's pray continually. The emphasis throughout the scripture is prayer is our communication with God. It's a vital part of who we are. John Wesley, the forefather of the United Methodist Church, said that prayer is the breath of our spiritual life. Prayer is the breath of our spiritual life. Richard Foster, in his amazing little book called Celebration of Discipline, says that of all the spiritual disciplines... Prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. And I love the way Martin Luther put it. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer, it's a vital part of our Christian life. And the scriptures Old to New Testament remind us of the power of prayer. 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 in the Old Testament says, "If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul again, writing to his young apprentice, says, I desire then that in every place people should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Now, I will confess to you as, as your pastor, maybe sometimes I'm too confessional, but there have been times in my life I've struggled with my prayer life. When I was younger, early on in my ministry even, I felt guilty about my prayer life compared to the prayer lives of others. I would hear people talk about their prayer lives and how long they would spend in prayer. And I just seemed to wrestle more with it. But then as I read the scriptures, I find that prayer doesn't always come naturally to us. Remember that Jesus' disciples were Jewish. They had grown up in the faith. They had grown up in the synagogue. They had grown up going to the temple. They had grown up with all the various high holy days, most of which were celebrated within the home and with the family. They understood the concept of prayer. And yet, when we look over in the scripture in Luke, we hear that the disciples watching Jesus pray one day when He returned, said to him, teach us to pray. Luke 11, chapter 1. Lord, teach us to pray. And it was right after that that then Jesus gave to us that beautiful prayer that we just prayed together a few moments ago of the Lord's prayer. The interesting thing that I've learned, and it was so freeing once I learned it, was that Prayer is a relationship. Our whole faith is a relationship with God, a personal relationship that we have with God, and prayer is communication with God. And since we're all unique individuals, our prayer lives are going to be different, and that is okay. It is okay for us to be different. I share with couples when I'm working with them together, either premarital or doing marriage and family counseling, that every relationship is different because... You have two unique individuals joining together to form a relationship. So therefore, the relationship is going to be unique. It's not going to be just like anyone else's. And our relationship with God is unique because we are all unique individuals with unique gifts and graces, personalities Our identity is unique and therefore our relationship with God is going to be unique and therefore our prayer life with God, our communication with God may be different from others. So we don't have to feel guilty then that my prayer life is not exactly like someone else's. That's actually a blessing and it's something very freeing. One of the things, too, that I often share with couples when I'm working together or families is that the number one marital problem, in my opinion, is communication. Most people will begin to go, I think it's finances. I think it may be, you know, extramarital affairs or relationships, something like that. But if you boil most marital issues down, it comes down to communication is the number one marital problem. We stop talking and communicating, sharing our lives intimately together, and therefore we now have problems. I also believe then that communication is the number one spiritual problem. It's when we stop communicating intimately with God that we begin to see the other parts of our spiritual lives struggle. So what is it like to be in a relationship with God? And and what is our prayer life like? I had the opportunity in the fall to go over to England to do some study. And I was studying with... Dr. David Wilkinson, who I now truly admire and am blessed to be able to consider him as a friend. And we were studying together at St. John's College, Durham University in England. And he wrote this great little book called, When I Pray, What Does God Do? And in that book, he shares about how he had some of the same struggles that that I had trying to find my niche, trying to find my rhythm. I would hear people go, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, I sit in this chair with my cup of coffee, and I have private time with God for an hour, or I do this, or I do that. And and he struggled finding his niche just like I struggled finding mine. And I loved one of the things that he said, and that is one person's piety is another person's poison. I love that. People often want to tell us this is the what a Christian does and how they do it. One person's piety is another person's poison. I mean, for some of us, we're not comfortable with some things, and other people dearly love it. I was recently in a continuing education event and and it was a group of pastors together. We had someone leading us and facilitating, but at the end of each session, they would love to go, now I want everybody to circle up, put everything away, and we're going to go through some focused time. And, and they would talk about, you know, now with your eyes closed, feel the blood flowing through your toes or the bottom of your feet or listen to your breath or do this or the other, and Well, some people in our group, they were just eating it up. They loved that. I was the one going, okay, if we finish on time, we have about four more minutes, and then we're done. See, everybody's different. It's not that one's right or wrong. The key thing is, what is your relationship with God like, and how do you live that out? And it is okay that my prayer life may be different from yours. When I go for a walk, God and I can have some passionate dialogue. When I'm in my car sometimes with the radio off, God and I have some amazing conversations. That may work for me. It may not work for you. The challenge is to find what does because prayer is vital. So I want to just give a couple of coaching thoughts as we think about prayer as our spiritual rhythm. And the first is simply to remember that prayer is conversation with God. I think one of the challenges many of us have with our prayer lives is we make prayer just way too complicated. It's simply conversation with God. Talking with God is... Many of you know I love Mother Teresa and love reading her works and studying about her life. And one of the things that Mother Teresa said is that prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. I think that's beautiful. Prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. And, and when we worry about the techniques of prayer, I, I love what Max Licato The pastor and Christian author shares, he said, Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Don't get caught up in the techniques of prayer, focus more on the authenticity. Prayer. Just be real. Be honest in your relationship with God. The other thing Jesus spends quite a a bit of time as well is is talking to us about authentic prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, for example, Jesus says, Now, whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He goes, They love to stand out in the marketplace where everybody can see them and watch them and be paying attention to them, listening to them. Jesus said, when you need to pray, just find a quiet place somewhere. Find a place where you can be alone with God, to be intimate with God, so you can just have real conversation with God. And he goes on to say, you don't have to worry about heaping up all kinds of extra words. God already knows your heart. The challenge Jesus is sharing with us is just be real. Just be real. Billy Graham was a person that I loved and respected so much. And Billy Graham says this, he said, the Christian life is not a constant high. He said, I have moments of deep discouragement. And I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. Just genuine, authentic prayer. Corey Ten Boone, who was the Dutch Christian who helped many of the Jews escape from the Nazis during the Holocaust, she put it this way, she said, Any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. I love that. God just wants to know. And if something's on your heart that's bothering you, then God wants to be a part of that. If it's something in your life or on your heart and mind, then God wants you to share it with him. So prayer just... Make it real. Make it authentic. It doesn't have to be like everybody else's. And when we pray, remember that prayer is not just about us. Prayer is also us taking the opportunity to talk to God on behalf of others, to share with others. In James chapter 5, for example, James reminds us about the need to pray for one another. In James 5, 16, he says, "...therefore confess your sins to one another." And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So when we pray, we pray for those whom we love, that God will be at work in their lives, for those who are sick, for those who are hurting, whatever it might be, we take others to God in prayer, including, Jesus says, our enemies. I mean, hear these words in Luke 6, verse 27. Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Our world is in an interesting place right now. We... We have a tendency to be in a win-lose, right-wrong, my side or the wrong side. You know, we, have a, we have a tendency to be in when you've messed up, you're to be chastised and condemned. As Christians, we're called to be in a restoring relationship, a redemption relationship, a, a genuine reconciliation relationship. So here's one of my thoughts when we pray for our enemies. Don't talk about someone until you have prayed for them. Wow, wouldn't that be different if we spent more time praying for people than talking about people? Or if we spent as much time praying for our leaders as we do posting about our leaders? Think how life would be different if we spent as much time praying to God as we do venting to others. See, God calls us to be in a relationship of prayer, and that's praying for our loved ones, praying for our enemies, praying for our world, praying for our leaders. Prayer. What would happen if we brought God more into our lives? And finally, we may still struggle some with our prayers. And if we do and we're trying to find the right words, then one of the things to think about, maybe to begin with, but I also believe to continue with, is start by praying the Psalms. The Psalms, that great book of the Bible, Athanasius, who was the 4th century theologian, said that many parts of the Bible speaks to us, but the Psalms speak for us. Most of the Bible speaks to us, but the Psalms speak for us. In a letter that he wrote, Athanasian goes on to say, Elsewhere in the Bible you read only that the law commands this or that to be done. You listen to the prophets to learn about the Savior's coming, or you turn to the historical books to learn the doings of the kings and holy people. But in the Psalter, the Psalms, besides all these things, you learn about yourself. The Psalms have that ability to speak for us. So when you're looking for, I just don't know the words to pray, turn to the Psalms and pray those until God gives you the words. Sometimes... We can go to God in prayer by praying the words of others. Almost anyone who's been in recovery will know this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Again, Mother Teresa, one of the people that I love dearly, she prayed a prayer every day that's attributed to have been prayed by John Henry Newman. But Mother Teresa found it to be a prayer that spoke to God for her. So she prayed these words. Dear Jesus, help me to spread thy fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with thy spirit and love. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that all my life may be a radiance of thine. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel thy presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. Amen. Prayer, it's one of those amazing gifts. So Paul says, pray without ceasing, pray continually. Let it be a vital part of your life. Figure out how to pray, what works for you, but just make it real and authentic because it's a relationship between you and God. And I think you will find amazing things occur in that sweet hour of prayer.